This is the greatest league in the world. Hello there and welcome to Greatest League in the World, the official weekly podcast of the SSE Air Tristy League. Con Murphy here, joined by co-host and our very own answer to George Hamilton, Conan Byrne, who played an absolute blinder on uh, commentary last night on the uh, playoff matchup in Bally Buffet. We'll be talking about that in a second, Conan. And well done. We're recording at about, what is it, about 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. You were up in Bally Buffet till close enough to midnight last night so well done for getting back and getting in here on time you're, you're such a model professional so you have to teach the youngsters now these days how to be that model professional I'm, kind, I'm you know? very very impressed now fair play to you and a, a exciting night obviously uh, in Bally Buffet we'll be talking about that in a second we'll be talking to uh, Gary Hunt as well Gary is head coach of the Waterford under 19s they secured a brilliant victory over Galway United in the under 19 league final on a Monday we'll also be chatting about Pat's treble they're, their underage teams are doing incredibly well um, at St. Pat's we'll be joined by Neil Fenn who'll be talking to us about the job he has ahead at Cork City and his thoughts on the Extra.ie FAI Cup Final and mention of the Extra.ie FAI Cup Final we're going to be um, talking about that and the Soho Hotel's Women's Final between Piemount and Wexford Youths um, we're on the eve of the Cup Final I just wonder at this point now Conan I love asking you these questions. I mean, obviously, we'll go into detail about the Cup now in a while, but just one question I want to ask you now. Here we are on a Saturday morning, the day before the Cup final. From the players' point of view, with the week that has gone by, with you know the media interviews and all that kind of stuff, what's this like? Sort of 20, what, 28, 30 hours before kick-off? Uh, exciting, Is would it? be the word. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um Shamrock Rowers and Dundalk will both be going to the Aviva Stadium today um, to have a look around the pitch. Um, that's what usually happens. I know when Pats were there in, in 2014, we weren't allowed to walk on it. Oh, really? But even just to, to get the sense of the surroundings, could see the dressing room, just so that you're not yeah. kind of overwhelmed when you come in the next day, especially the players that maybe haven't played in a cup final before at the Aviva Stadium. So that's a, a nice little touch. And then you go back to the hotel. Um some, some players might want to go to the cinema, some players you might have a little team bonding thing on the table quiz or something like that just to calm everybody down. It'd be very rare now that you'd be just let off and, and uh, stay in your rooms for the evening. You'd usually get together as a group and do something yeah. and I suspect that will be done in both camps ahead of tomorrow's game. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, would a Dublin-based team still have a hotel? I mean, does that, or do you want to just keep the same routine? Well, you see, back in 2009 when I played for Sporting Fingal, we all stayed at home um, the night before the game and we met up in Gibney's in Malahide actually for breakfast the following yeah. day. But that's the only time that that's happened. Um, even with, with, with Pats and with Shelburne in, in cup finals later, we stayed in hotels the night before and both times we ended up going to the cinema. Um, just what did you go and see? Remember? Oh, I can remember the one with Shelburne in, in, in 2011. It was Tower Heist, I think it was called. It was a terrible film combo. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, it's. Uh, it's just to get us out of the yeah, hotel. Yeah. And um, I can't remember in 2014. I just remember both were in Liffey Valley actually, but it was. Um, it's. Th- 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 you need to do something like that yeah. to take your mind off the off the game because otherwise you'll just be be up all night and thinking about things. So you need to. Yeah, the table quiz it. thing sounds like a good idea as well. Just to knock a bit of crack out of it and have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, and relaxed it's and great fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. People that. Uh, People that enjoy the table quizzes and in, in like the yeah. like those. But well, I'd want to be on your table if you're a school teacher. You'd know the answer to most <laughs> of the questions, probably. Oh, you'd um, be surprised, Con. Um, well, listen, we'll go into more detail about the cup final um, in a wee while, but let's get some other details out of the way first. And of course, uh, last night you were up in Bally Buffet. Drogheda took a one nil lead in the promotion relegation playoff to uh, Bally Buffet, and then Finn Harps win one nil, goes to extra time. And Harry Ascrop comes up with a, a winner for Harps in extra time. I thought it was going to go to penalties. I was listening to your coverage. Actually, fair play to you on, on uh, extratime.ie. The um, commentary with yourself and Oshin uh, was top notch. I mean, you really, you've taken to the commentary thing. You're just so good at everything. <laughs> no, really, uh, you did a great job. Great job. Uh, and it was a, a, an amazing night to be there, I'd say. It was a brilliant night. And I suppose just before we get started, I'd like to pass on my condolences to the uh, Vincent Howie's family. The a very form. tough week, absolutely. A very difficult week. Um, obviously, his son is the current chairman, so it's been really tough um, a few days. And I suppose Vincent has been part of, of the club during a hugely successful time. 
um, recently inducted into the Soccer Writers Association Hall of Fame um, and just the amount of work that he did not just for Drogheda United but for Drogheda Town as well um, involved in loads of community initiatives ar- around the place and um, yeah it's a, it was a sad week for, for Actually I, I put a thing up on Twitter just saying that every time you'd go to uh, United Park Vincent he'd always give you a lovely warm I'd almost describe it as a country welcome. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just really, really nice man. So our, our thoughts with his family, obviously. Absolutely. Um, but I suppose we have to, we're here to talk about the football and um, yes, Finn Harp. So I think on the night, deserved their victory. Um, I thought that Drogheda didn't get a shot on target the whole mm. game. I think they only had one shot on goal and it was a, a wayward attempt from Lucchini. Um but Ollie, we you'll listen to interviews later on. Ollie Horgan described being eight points behind UCD at one stage, and they did have huge victories over Bohemians, Derry, and Waterford. One nil victories. Harry Ashcroft was involved in in two of those um, um, wins, scoring the goals in each of them within a couple of days of each other. Yeah, I think I was doing days. the commentary of the one up against uh, Derry at at Ballybuffet earlier on in the season, and he was the hero last night as well, getting on the end of another set piece. Played to the back post, headed it down. Um, disappointed that Drahada conceded two from two set mm. pieces last night. The first was excellently worked. Now, Graf Cotaro and, and Mark Timlin played a little uh, short corner, played out to the edge of the box. Rory Harkin dinked the ball to the back post, and Mark Russell was completely unmarked. And all he had to do was get some sort of his body onto the end of it. And I think it came off his hip in the end. But um, Harps's form going into the going at Finn Park has been. Unbelievable. Seven mm. clean sheets in, uh, from eight in, um, from at Finn Park. Um, they've only lost one since the break and that was against St. Pat's. Um, in those seven games, they won four of them and drew two. So Drogheda had f- were going to always find mm. it very tough. They needed to bring, a, to bring a, a victory up and they did. They had had a brilliant performance on, on Monday night. Chris Lyons going in the 94th minute. Um, but from my research then on playing away from home, Drogheda struggle against um, I suppose the, the so-called top teams in the yeah. first division for instance they played against uh, the top five away from home they played eight times and they only won once they lo- they score they, were, they did score in seven of them yeah. so I felt that they would score but that, um, it wasn't to be been enough. Uh, the pitch uh, obviously uh, in fairness to those who were involved in um, trying to get the pitch into a, a kind of a playable state the weather over the last couple of days in the lead up to the game was was pretty foul. It was obviously raining heavily on the night. So for a team like Drodu, maybe like to pass it around, get it wide and stuff, the pitch wasn't ideal. It didn't suit them. No, it didn't suit them at all. Um, and you notice in the warm-up how badly it was starting to cut up even at that stage. Um, and like I, I, it's where every player in the, on, on the pitch was wearing black boots because it was just so muddy. It was a mud bath. Mm. Like from at half time, I w- we were talking about if it does go to extra time, could it be even playable? It was literally like 22 Bambies on the pitch. They couldn't, they kept slipping, they kept falling. Mm. And even when they were getting into good positions, they kept, you're nearly concentrating on your footing before your control yeah, of the yeah. actual ball. So yeah. it was a very, very, very difficult to, kind to play. Kind of probably suited Harps in a way. You know, they, they rely so heavily on set pieces, corners, throw-ins, free kicks. All they that do, and, and, and Drogheda really struggled um, to break them down. They struggled in the final third, I thought. They'd got into good positions and final final ball from their wide players was, was particularly poor. Connor Kane and James Brown didn't get forward as much as they usually do. Um, and when they did... They did put good balls into into the box, but just unfortunately there was no one on the mm. end of them. But as you say, Finn Harps on on, the, on on set pieces, and they had two of them, and they got they, they won the game. Well, in a minute we're going to hear from some of the uh, key parties uh, from that game that you spoke to afterwards last night. But just before we go into those interviews, um, Drada, where does this leave them now next season? I mean, it's a crushing blow in a way, and you know, having re-signed Chris Lyons, I think maybe that might have been with the idea of getting into the Premier Division and having a goal scorer, somebody who'll score goals. I mean, to pick themselves up and dust themselves down after this, it's going to be a tough one. It's a huge blow because they would have been so optimistic going up to Finn Park to in with a 1-0 victory to hold on to. And um, looking on at, at the faces of both Tim Clancy and Kevin Doherty after the game, they were just utterly devastated by the result. 
um, the manner of it as well. I suppose they were very disappointed of, of the lack of chances that they created in the game and obviously then to concede two sloppy goals from set pieces. So they look, they'll have to regroup. I'm sure that they had a, a list of players that they would have wanted to sign in the Premier Division and a list of players that they'd want to sign if they didn't go up. And unfortunately for them, they're going to have to pick out of the players of the, the First Division list rather than the yeah. Premier Division list. And, and that's a, a big disappointment for them. Um, and they just need to, to go again. Like he, Tim and Kevin have done a, a, a remarkable job in the two years that they've been with Rahadi United to bring them to, to playoffs twice. Um, but I think next year now could be the could be a real hunger in Drada. They're still a very young team. The back five is under twenty two years of age, um, and with the experience of the last two years behind them, I think you might see a really really strong Drada United um, get an automatic promotion next mm. year. Okay, well look, let's get the view from Finn Harps because as I say, you you spoke to a number of people: Raf Cortaro, Mark Timlin, Harry Ascroft, and uh, you also spoke, of course, with Ollie. Ollie Horgan himself and he gave you his reaction after. Are you going to play next year? Oh, you record, no? You're asking, I'm not there about to start an interview with you and you're asking me my <laughs> plan. No problem going to record and ask you. <laughs> uh, I'm delighted to be joined here by Ollie Horgan. Ollie, the miracle man I suppose. How's uh, sum up how you feel? A uh, lot of pride, Colin. A uh, lot of realism too, to be honest with you. You know, we, we don't get carried away too much if we win or we don't get down the dumps so much if we lose. But it was it was a, a huge achievement there tonight in the medium of coming into these playoffs through the Premier Division. You know, when you're losing a hell of a lot more games and you're winning, Colin, confidence, you know, tends to be down and mentally our lads don't get out there tonight. But huge, huge respect and, and, and compliment to Drahala. You know, they, they, they're probably wondering what, what more they could do and as I said earlier on here you know Tim and Kevin were the first two people to congratulate you and congratulate our players and that's a huge quality in any side and it doesn't go unnoticed Your home form since the break has been nothing short of remarkable four wins two draws and one defeat to St Pat's Yeah how huge has that been for you? Yeah, we, we couldn't we couldn't get a point here for a lot of money, you know, in the earlier part of the season. Uh, it took a while to get to the level of that we're eight points behind UCD Conan. And, uh, you know, we've more or less written off bar, bar maybe the few of us in the management team who, who, who believed in it. Um, you know, we, 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 we went and, and put a run together there. We, we, with, some, with some lucky victories as well. I think probably the key to it, and it sounds crazy, was we bet Waterford luckily here a couple of weeks ago. They gave us a belief, uh, yeah, we, we, can, we can beat a good quality side. And that's what we did tonight. We bet a serious side out there, there tonight with, with energy, with quality, with huge drive in them. And, uh, you know, there's no point to me. Of course I want to think Herbst to win, but there's, there's a huge amount of respect and dignity to Tim and Kevin of you know we could be sitting here if we're lucky in a playoff next year if we could get there and play in Drogheda again if they don't go straight up but you know that's it's 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 touch and go very small margins and thankfully Colin we got out the right side of it there you know and Harry Ascroft has been instrumental I suppose since you brought him in two 1-0 victories over Bowes and Derry midway through the season and on the score sheet tonight to, to keep his in the Yeah, yeah, Harry's a good lad. Um, Harry Harry struggled the first half of the season. He played the first couple of games and struggled. Struggled with a recurring injury and to be fair to him, uh, you know, the second half of the season he got himself right. He's playing through a bit of pain even now and uh, we needed him. You know, we needed a bit of experience. You know, the, the lad behind you, Raph there, he needed his experience. But, Mentally, I think today we grew up and uh, we got relegated here a couple of years ago, albeit with three teams going down, we'd have been in the playoff, but we couldn't turn it. You know, we lost the last six games narrowly, you know, and we just couldn't turn it, Conan. Mentally, we couldn't get the players around it, but tonight and maybe the Waterford game a couple of weeks ago, that might have been a turning point where the, the lot of young lads in our change room, bar the likes of Rath there, that grew up there tonight and deserve a lot of credit, to be fair. Ali, thanks God very much. Well done. Delighted to be joined by Raf Cotaro, League of Ireland legend, survivor now of uh, staying up with Finn Harps. How does it feel? It feels great. Jesus, you know, we've obviously achieved what we aim to achieve, and that was to stay in the Premier Division. Uh, you know, look, Ali painted the picture nice and clear coming in that that's that was it was going to be tough, and there was a lot of ups and downs and. You know, you got to give Drada's great credit because, you know, they're riding the crest of a wave at the minute and they're, they're flying. They've had a fantastic season. And we knew going up there on Monday night that it was going to be tough. Uh, and it was. It was tough. You know, we got away with a, a narrow defeat. But we knew if we kept kept it relatively close that, uh, you know, bringing them down to Finn Park, it was going to be a different ball game. And, you know, we, we put the early pressure on and it paid off after six minutes, you know, with a goal. Open game then and, and, and it's all to play for. 
you're used to success, I suppose, with, with Sligo Rowers and when you went to Bohemians. What's it been like this season at the other end of the table? Yeah, look, I, I've been lucky to to you know experience both sides of it. You know, even even with Sligo, there was periods there where we were we were weren't great and we were you know struggling at the bottom end of the table. You know, uh, but you know this is my first experience of playoffs and <laughs> there's a great buzz. You know, there's a, you know it gets people off their seats, it gets people out, and you know I I really enjoyed the the whole experience of it and just to see us over the line now tonight, I'm absolutely ecstatic. And what's next for Rafa Cataro? Uh, what's next? For for me basically uh, speaking to Ali I have been and I think that's me I'm going to pack it up but look it's not about that it's about Finn Herb staying up uh, in the Premier Division that's that's the big one um, not about me finishing or anything like that Finn Herb stayed up in the Premier Division they got what we, we got what we wanted to do and did what we wanted to do and that's that's the big thing Well before I let you go I am going to talk about you for a second <laughs> because it is a monumental moment I suppose to, to call your time and your career What's been the pinnacle? Um, ah, there's been look. I've I've had a lot of joy. I've had a lot of great experiences. Uh, you know, obviously winning winning stuff. You're always going to stand out most in your memory when you're when you're winning, winning trophies. You know, but tonight tonight is definitely going to be one that's going to stand out in, in in my mind and you know stick with me for the rest of my life. You know, an experience, a different experience, but a good one, a very positive one. You know, and again, just like Ali said there, uh, players grow up on nights like tonight, and you know, a lot of lads in our squad, young lads young players who've had a tough season really became men tonight and that's going to stand them good stead in their future careers Well a fitting tribute I suppose that you do end up on, on a high and keep Finn Harps in the Premier Division next season so Raf, well done Thank you very much I'm joined here by Harry Ascroft Harry the, the hero of the night or some, some people are saying that Keith Cowan would have got a touch on the end of that but I'm sure that you're going to be trying to claim that goal Yeah definitely I'll, I'll claim that goal um, but you know it doesn't matter who scored it uh, as long as the ball went in the back of the net and uh, we stayed up You've been a bit of a goal scoring hero up here goals against Bohemians and, and Derry and 1-0 victories just after the summer break How important are those, those goals now looking back on them? Yeah, they kind of got us over the line uh, to the playoff position, but uh, all in all, it was the team's performance and, and the team comes first, so uh, fair play to all our players and staff and, and especially the fans tonight, they got us over the line. I need to ask you the question, you're obviously the, the accent, you're Australian, you played for Central Coast Mariners in the, in the A-League, what brings you up to Bally Buffet in County Donegal? Uh, I played with uh, Jacob Borg uh, as a teammate and he convinced me to come over, so I've ended up in, uh, in Donegal. <laughs> very good, well done, well done. Yeah. Harry, thanks very much. Well done again. Cheers, thank you. I'm joined here by Mark Timlin. Mark, how does it feel now to be a Premier Division player next season? Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant for everybody in that dressing room. You know, we've worked really hard all year. Um, you know, majority of people would have written us off to go straight down again after um, the start of the season and that. And, you know, we really sort of battled between us and UCD all year. Um, you know, at the start of the season, we probably aim for a bit higher, but, you know, realistically, we're probably saying that if we got to stay up by the playoffs, then that would have been a decent achievement, considering, you know, where we're coming from and the budget uh, compared to other sides and that, you know. So, thankfully, we've got through that again, and you know, it's great to be in the Premier Division again next year. And a Donegal man from Bronkrana. You missed Monday night, obviously, due to injury. How was the legs after 120? I actually don't know how I ended up staying on that long. Uh, I was constantly being asked from the bench, was I all right? And I don't know what was helping me tonight, but something got me through it because, you know, I've struggled all year. Um, I had a knee operation at the start of the year and, you know, really struggled to get back from it. Um, I've only probably started seven or eight games, um, but thankfully I was back in time to help the boys tonight and, you know, I'm delighted. I was just talking in commentary there about your, they, they were missing the creative spark and on Monday night and yourself and Cotaro coming, coming into the side tonight. You made a big difference. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I think I was, I was down at the game on Monday night and, you know, we, pro we probably weren't at our best in, in any capacity, uh, but no, definitely, uh, like having a player like Raf, um, you know, who's probably playing his last game tonight in the League of Ireland, um, you know, uh, he's a great player and, you know, someone that most players should all look up to. Um, no, it was great to get him on the pitch tonight and hopefully, um, I wish him all the best, actually. Because, um, Thanks a million, Mark. Well done. Well, nice to hear Mark Timlin wishing Raf Crotaro all the best there. And I mean he has had a great League of Ireland career he has he's had an unbelievable career I think he's only been with three clubs 
during that spell, he'll always be referred to as the Sligo Rovers legend, uh, the yeah. Tupper Cuddy tornado, as they as they like to call him. And um, I still, even with his performance last night, Con, there's still plenty of years left in him. Um, he was very, very good last night. And when when he needed to be, he, he, you could see his experience shown. The ball was played up to him so many times. He was able to control it and bring others into play. Just that calmness that a lot of people on that pitch didn't have last night. Raf showed, yeah, and um, Ollie Ollie Horgan will certainly miss him next season, um, trying to stay up in, in the Premier Division. But I think the league will miss Rafael Cataro, um, and hopefully he stays involved in some capacity. I know that he's done some punditry work for RTE this season, and hopefully he he continues that so that we don't. Um, not see his yeah. face. Well, he did a bit for air sport as well. I remember one night up there in uh, the showgrounds, he was telling me his name will always be synonymous with Sligo and his name will always be beside the pitch because there's an advertising hoarding behind one of the goals for Raphael's uh, takeaway, uh, which is owned by his dad and was named after him. So Raf's name is always going to be pitch side, or at least as long as that advertising hoarding is there at the uh, showgrounds. But he's, he has, I mean, he's had a, a, a tremendous career. The one thing we missed in your interview with Ollie Horgan, by the way, as you were starting, he was giving out to you for not bringing a pen so you could sign your contract there and then for next season. <laughs> That's what he's saying to him. He's like, you can't ask me those type of questions when I'm starting an interview. And literally, as he was he was coming over towards me, he was asking me for a pen to sign in a contract for next season. But I just pressed. I didn't press record in time for everybody to, li- to hear that bit. But uh, yeah, he's no, like, join the queue, Ollie. <laughs> no, but um, what a job he's done, Con. Yeah. Um, as I said, eight points behind UCD now. UCD did lose a lot of players in, in the mid-season Gary O'Neill Neil Farouja to Shamrock Rovers obviously and obviously the suspensions to, to Cairns as well didn't didn't help situation help UCD's situation but his form the form from the break made Drogheda go to where they are um, seven clean sheets from eight as I talked about earlier on um, having only lost once at Finn Park in eight games um, since the break was is, is absolutely huge, and it goes to show the amount of work and effort that went in went on behind the scenes, and even his recruitment, like bringing in Harry Ashcroft, who's been their mm. hero this season in terms yeah. of the goals that he has scored, Jacob Borg as well, um, bringing in the likes of Crataro. These are players that have the experience and the know how to get out of these situations and, yeah. and stay in the Premier Even Division. Even Cowan at the back, his experience. Key, I, I haven't yeah. mentioned him yet. Key Cowan was, was immense again yeah. last night. He was absolutely superb and um, he just kicks you. He he doesn't give, he didn't give Chris Lyons a minute last night mm. and um, for Finn Harps he was very good. As a Drogheda person, Drogheda fan, you'd be very probably frustrated with Keith Cowan and the way he um, plays on the edge. Plays on the edge a little bit and like little small fouls and, and on the referee's back and on the referee's case but if you're a Finn Harps fan you'd love him yeah yeah, yeah. well look uh, they've got Premier Division football to look forward to again uh, next season and uh, as a fan I have to say I, I love going up to Bally Buffet it's one of the I was talking about the friendly welcome you get at, at Drogheda uh, you get an amazingly friendly welcome at Bally Buffet and um, I love going there it's a great a nice away trip so uh, from that point of view from a selfish point of view I'm glad they're still in the uh, Premier Division and I think it's kind of important as well that you know there's a lot of teams on the East Coast already so maybe for from a geographical spread it's it's a good thing as well with respect to Drada who are who are building and I think will come up next season I, I actually think they will yeah. so yeah. Well, I, I, had a, I had a I had a wonderful time up in Finn, Finn Harps I'm usually on the other end of the of, of the scale where yeah. I'm playing and in the dressing rooms and, and all but it was a nice experience and meeting um, the likes of Eric White from, from Foyle Radio yeah. and Highland Radio and everybody up in the Donegal Hub it was nice to meet the, the, the people that are involved in the media aspects of Finn, yeah. uh, of Finn Harps as well and it was a really enjoyable evening yeah. spent and actually you have a great view of the pitch from the camera gantry there. Oh, it's best unbelievable. view in the ground oh, it's brilliant yeah, yeah, it's really really good yeah. actually the last time I was up there uh, Ollie was surprise surprise suspended uh, so he watches the match from up there but when I went up you know, he offered to make me a cup of tea and so I just thought you know where would you get it yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, speaking of geographical spread the SSE Airtricity under 19 league final took place in Galway this week and Galway were beaten 3-1 by Waterford a fantastic uh, victory for the Waterford under 19s in front of a cracking crowd as well Gary Hunt is uh, the Waterford manager 
And Gary joins us on the line. Now, Gary, uh, thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Um, listen, that's a fantastic achievement uh, for the club and a tremendous victory away from home, 3-1. Yeah, brilliant for the lads. Um, you know, I'm delighted for them because they've put in a lot of hard work all season and, and over the last two years at under 17 level too, you know. So um, it was, there's just rewards for all of that, you know. It's brilliant. If you could recap, Gary, and tell the listeners how you got to the final and which teams you had to beat. Yeah, we um, the the southern section is is quite competitive, you know. We've uh, we've had good games with Cork, Rovers, Galway as well in the league. You know, the four of us came out of it. Um, we were lucky on the last day then to, to overcome Kerry, which gave us the home the home draw for the quarterfinals. Um, we had a good game with Dundalk, who actually scored late on against us to to go two one up, but we we brought on a lad success Edigan who we signed in mid-season, um, who scored two injury-time goals to get us through. Uh, even though I thought we were the better side on the day, it, sometimes a little bit of luck is what you need, and, and that's what we got there. But um, that then got us another home home semi-final against Strada. You know, and again, again, I felt we, we were deserving winners. The scoreline maybe suggested it was closer than it was. We, we won the game 5-4, uh, but we were never behind, you know, and, and, and that was an important thing for us in, in most of the season, that... We, when we controlled games I always felt that we were going to come out on the right side and then you played obviously away from home in the final in front of a fantastic crowd of over 1,100 people did it feel like a proper final to you and, and your players yeah without a doubt and I think even nearly going away from home after the two home games kind of you know there was a little bit of a build up to it for the lads and you know I think it credit to Galway for that the, the, the crowd that came out to get behind them and I, I don't know there was a lot of water for there too but it was it was really good to see uh, because for me personally, I think the under nineteen final is is a, is a showpiece for for the league, you know. And so to see that many people get behind it was fantastic, and obviously to come out on the right side of it was even better. Just looking at the uh, Galway team that played against you the other night as well. I mean, obviously they had a lot of young players in their first division campaign this season. I believe was it seven of their starting eleven had actual first team experience. So you were coming up against a, a side who had clocked up a bit of mileage this season. Yeah, uh, it was it was a seven. We knew we knew there was a few alright played uh, played with the first team. And speaking to Alan when we went up there this season, um, you know, asking about some of our players. But um, what we felt like we felt Galway brought a lot to the table in terms of their their defensive strengths, you know. And and a big thing for us was making sure we didn't go behind against them because, as you said, that experience and that having those miles in the legs of the first team, we might have found it hard to break down. But we were luckily. Never behind in the game, you know, which I think stood to us and and allowed us to to maybe kick on towards the end. And Gary, when you look at you know, say previous winners of this competition and the way uh, the number of players who have had success have gone on then to uh, get into the first team from the group that you have at the moment, I mean, do you see many of them playing in the Waterford senior team in the not too distant future? Yeah, I would hope so. Like. Um, I think of our, of our panel, quite a, quite a lot of them are actually underage again next year, which is which is which is great for us and great for the club. Um, but it is it is my job as as the manager and, and even for those guys going out of the out of the system now that you know there is progression for them that it's, this is not the the end of the road for them guys. You know, I, I speak to Alan uh, regularly and and you know I'm trying to push these guys into that into that uh, surroundings of the first team um, and hopefully, especially those guys that are overage, they they have that opportunity to. You know, to stake a claim next season for sure. Mm. I don't know if people know this, uh, Gary, but you obviously coached the Wexford Utes in the Women's National League and actually managed them to an FAI Cup final as well. How do you think your experience in the women's game improved you as a coach? Ah, oh, um, yeah, leaps and bounds. Um, I was very lucky to be involved in, in that successful in a successful period with the Wexford Utes women's side. Um, there's some fantastic players you know and they've got their cup final this week to, to look forward to and you know they, they're fully deserving of that but uh, it definitely shaped me you know I a lot of good times and you know some tough times as well that shaped me too and I've, I've learned a lot from those that that I've brought to the table now and I'd like to think that they've they've improved me as a coach and you know uh, going forward again the experiences I'm having in Watford again will will shape me again into into whatever comes next you know and obviously with just uh, the 19 success here you, you also you're kind of over the entire youth structure at the, the club at Waterford and obviously we've seen the introduction of the under 13s league uh, this season as well um, 
in an overall sense, how do you view that uh, underage structure now with the 13s coming in to add to the 15s, 17s and so on? Yeah, look, there's there's, there's opposition, obviously, to, to everything that's implemented. But uh, for me personally, I think it's been great. You know, you come into training uh, during the week and you've, you've got a, <coughs> a club field to it. You know, you've four teams training side by side and, you know, the progression, pushing guys up into into the older squads and you know then again the, the younger lads can can see the 19s and see what's going on there and they're interacting with each other you know there's a real kind of there's a real little buzz about it you know I think the club is in a good place with the underage side at the moment and it's our job to, to keep pushing that and again I think from, from the bottom the 13s have had a, had a great season I think we've got a really good bunch of lads there um, 15s as well you know they've, they've competed with some good sides this season as the 17s and, and then ourselves obviously have that kind of thing of right we, we went and, and, and won the league which is which is a great thing for the club because now the rest of can aspire to mm. want to be in that situation you know Well look c- congratulations Gary it's a great success and um, that quarter final comeback against Dundalk sounds like a, a Roy of the Rovers story but it was a Roy of the Rovers finish for you in the end as well with that 3-1 winning goal so congratulations Gary and best of luck uh, going into next season as well thanks a million for talking to us Appreciate that, lads. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. This is the greatest league in the world. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or hear us on SoundCloud every week. Yeah, one of the things that struck me, Conan, there was the fact that it was two teams from outside of Dublin, Galway and Waterford in that under-19s final. At the other age level, St. Pat's have been really dominant. I mean, that's three three age groups that they've won this season. Yeah, they're very, very strong. Um, there's great work being done. And I think it it all stems down, being totally honest, down to, to Liam Buckley when he first came in. He always wants um target underage success and bringing players through, and he's always done that. Sean Hoare, Darren Markey, uh, Jamie McGrath, Jamie Lennon. There's so many players that have come through from underage football at Pats. And in fairness, Ger O'Brien has come in now and as director of football in these last couple of years and has taken over the mantle left by Liam and is doing a similar job, bringing in fantastic players um, and obviously get, getting the success involved as well. Yeah. It's also important, important to note that players from the first team who are trying to start off in their coaching careers as well are, are getting involved at the club yeah. level with... Um, Brendan Clark in charge of the 13s Ian, Bar- Ian Birmingham in charge of the 15s Simon Madden was involved when I, when I was there last year I don't know if he still is but that's great to see as yeah. well um, given that experience of first team players going down and helping out the younger teams I think that's well. happening at a lot of clubs actually and it is you know it's to everybody's benefit to the coaches benefits and the players so absolutely getting, gaining experience from first team players but as you say the under 17 league final was on on Tuesday and, and St. Pat's had a brilliant victory over Bohemians and we have to say Bohemians are doing very very well at underage as well competing in the way for um, youth league youth league yeah, yeah. and um, but a word of note on, on, on Ben McCormack's fantastic finish in, in the final on on um, on Tuesday night yeah it was just a little dinked finish over the goalkeeper from inside the box it was a one, wonderful uh, chip and um Evan Ferguson was on the opposition team and he was even in the under-17 league final. He's probably the youngest probably player the, in the pitch. Yeah, gas, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, fair play to St. Pat's on um, winning both 13s, or winning the trio of 13s, 15s and That's, 17s yeah. finals. Um, we're talking on Saturday morning now, so by the time this uh, is out there, this match will be over probably, but the uh, SSE Artricity and the McGill Cup final uh, is on this afternoon. Bohemians under-19s against Jamrock Rovers, 12 noon uh, at uh, Daily Mount. So that's a an interesting one as well for those two. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the the, the attendance figure at that one. Yeah. Will Shamrock Rovers fans come out and support the the young guns? I suppose against Bohemians the day before their massive cup final tomorrow. So um, and Bowes obviously they support in they've supported their underage teams very very well this season in in the UEFA Youth League. There was over a thousand people at at Dalyman Park. So hopefully there'll be a big crowd there for for what promises to be a, a very entertaining game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, uh, as I say, by the time this goes out, that match will be over. So um, we'll know who won at that point. But uh, again, just one last word of uh, congratulations to Waterford for winning that uh, under nineteen league final and indeed for Pats during the week with the four 0 win against Bowes as well. Now we're joined on the line by a man who was actually on the bench for uh, Shamrock Rovers the last time they played in the FAI Cup final at the Aviva Stadium that was the famous penalty shootout day against Sligo Rovers Uh, he's now got uh, another job on his hands his name is Neil Fenn and he's Cork City manager Neil thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning thanks for having me on lads 
Neil, uh, we're going to talk about cup finals and stuff with you in a second. But um, before we do that, um, can we get your assessment? Having come in, obviously, with just a few games of the season to go, nobody was expecting uh, miracles at uh, Turner's Cross. But having taken charge of the side now for a few games, is the size of the task apparent to you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a big job, you know, I've said it from the, from the start, it's in my opinion, the biggest club in the country. Obviously, struggling in the league, so it was always going to be a difficult job. There was, it's not, it's not, um, not difficult to see there was problems at the club at whatever level. So, you know, I, I was under no illusions that it was going to be easy. So, my job was just to, to start coming and, and steady the ship a little bit and start planning for the, for next season, which we're fully in in the middle of doing. Was it very difficult, Neil, to leave Longford Town so close to the end of the season on a promotion push? And I suppose that is the draw, Neil, when it's a, a club, as you describe, potentially the biggest club in the country in, in a massive, a one-team club in a, in a huge city. It, and obviously, having played for them as well, you know the, the club inside out. It was one that you just, you couldn't turn down, really. No, I mean, if you, if you look at, it, if you look at the, the size of the, of the club and the fact that they're in a Premier Division, it's a full-time a full-time job and I'm on my pro licence at the moment. It's what I want to do. I want to be a full-time manager. And you can't, Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions, and you, and you can't let certain opportunities pass you by. And I felt that had I not gone at that time, and had I delayed it, I would have missed out on it, and and I would have been bitterly disappointed in that. So you know, I had to make a difficult decision. Um, I wish Longford all the best. And I had a great time there. Won't say a bad word about the club, but we've moved on, and Barry Doyle's got the job, which I'm absolutely delighted about. And I'm sure he'll put his own stamp on it. Tell us the differences, Neil, between part-time football and you were manager, obviously, at Longford in a part-time club to going full-time with Cork. Well, it's just chalk and cheese, really. I mean, the, the players, and the, you, you can have the players for longer. You, you're training in the morning. You've got a training ground. You're, you're not sharing a training ground at, at Cork or not. You're not waiting for a team to get off the Astro before we go on. You're, it's a, the spotlight's on you. There's, more, there's, there's a lot more pressure that comes with, with the games and the results. The crowds are better. The, the players are at an extra level. Um, the pitch is better. The, the grounds are better. You know, you can go on. The first division is a, as much as it's a. It was a great breeding ground for me and it gave me a good opportunity. You know, some of the grounds and some of the some of the pitches are some of the crowds. You know, you want to be in the Premier Division. I'm sure if you asked every manager and every player, they want to be managing the Premier Division. So I'm playing in Premier Division, and, and that's certainly where I want to be. Obviously, your focus. Almost straight away, Neil has been on next season and where you're going to be next season. Um, given th- that you finished third from bottom this season, um, it, 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 it again, it goes back to my original question of the extent of the job that you have ahead of you to turn that bus around. Um, will you have funds like to bring in the sort of players that you want to bring in to get to the level that you want to get to? I think as a manager, we, we all want more more money and more funds, better players. I mean, that's, if you ask Vinnie Perth, I'm sure he'd like more money as well. So, you know, we we are where we are. I'm under no illusions of the job I've got. Um, but we, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we bring in the right type of player, um, young, exciting, hungry, fit players. And, and we make sure that we, we we give a good go of it this year. I mean, when I came in and some of the games we played, it was very tight with the games we lost, apart from Derry, who we were well being, but the other games were by the odd goal. So, in my eyes, there wasn't a lot wrong. It was just a little bit of luck, a little bit of belief here and there. And as you get towards the end of the season, you've got a few lads who possibly know that they're leaving, um, know that they're, they're, they're future lies elsewhere, and they might not be putting in at 100% as, as what you'd imagine they would. But, you know, we're moving on now. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be a lot more be- um, lot better next year, a lot more competitive. Mm, I actually said to Conan on the programme, it's, it's, actually, it's actually a little bit embarrassing speaking to you because I said to Conan, I think it was two weeks ago, that the Cork team that played against Shamrock Rovers at, at um, Tala the other week was probably the worst Cork performance that I had seen from a Cork City team in my years watching them. And that's not necessarily a criticism of you. I, it just, it struck me that maybe as you were saying, there were a couple of players who maybe knew that they weren't going to be with the club and just didn't seem to be that bothered. 
yeah, I mean, if, I mean, that game was disappointing for us. We'd had a good run where we'd beat UCD and, and Dundalk, and then we were missing four or five of our uh, more experienced. There were a lot out, yeah. I think our, our oldest player on the pitch was 24. We're playing a lot, a lot, a lot of young lads, and, and you know, are they ready for it at this stage? At this stage of their careers, possibly some of them aren't, but we weren't in a position where we could, we could play anybody else. And you know, I think it was always going to be difficult for us going up to Tala with giving them the kind of game that they wanted we wanted to make sure that we were putting in tackles and, and didn't let them have it easy because they had the cup final the final week and unfortunately we didn't do that we were too passive and it was too easy for them it was the perfect game for them before the cup final where they could just have a little warm up and score a few goals and everyone goes home happy but you know that, that certainly wasn't us that certainly wasn't the performance we've been putting in in the previous games before that it was just I had a very much an end of season feel from our point of view I think it's fair to say Neil we will see a, a huge Hugely different Cork side next year, but how will you cope with the with the exodus of players? Carl Shepherd has mentioned that he's left, and there's a, a couple of rumours going around that Conor McCormick might be leaving too. So, how do you deal with the, with that exodus? It's tough. It's tough. We we just have to rebuild and, and replace the players. There's, there's nothing else we can. There's nothing else we can do. We can't stand here crying about it. We just need to get different players in. I mean, when you're when you're managing of a team in the first division, every player's out of contract at the end of the year, as you know, Conan. So you have to rebuild and you're trying to persuade lads to, that you're the right club to be at and I'll use my experience of doing that of trying to sign players again this year but it, it's nothing new to me having to rebuild a squad I've had to do it a couple of times at Longford and I'm looking forward to doing it and getting the players in that I want and putting my stamp on it And what would your ambitions be for next season Neil? Oh, we have to be realistic you know are we going to be are we going to be competing for the title possibly not uh, but we want to give it a good go I mean you just got to look at the the great job that, that Keith Long and, and Declan Devine have done with, with Bowes and Derry there's no reason why we can't replicate that next year um, get a feel good factor back around the club because it's been a bit a bit in the downers for the last couple of months so get a feel good factor back in the club get the, get the crowds going again and, and get as high up as, in the league as possible you mentioned the crowds there one thing that struck me in that match in, in Tala going back to that one there was a great Cork crowd there considering it was a last match you know the end of season game on a wet old night in Dublin they they came up in big numbers which was great to see and and you know it from your time there it's it's, it's a fantastic place when the crowd are filling the stadium and the place is hopping you know so it, I think everybody wants to see Cork do well because it's good for everybody in the league but and um, one of the areas this season that I think uh, the team has struggled, it's fair to say, is in front of goal. I mean, Conor McCarthy, your centre half, is your joint top goal scorer with four, and that more or less says it all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't take a genius to work out where where the team struggles, struggles scoring goals and finishing off chances. I think that the previous managers have had that that problem, and you know, I had a, a similar problem. There were games, certainly the Waterford game at home, we were winning one 0 and should have killed it off. We couldn't finish it off. Bows away, we had a few chances and then lost the game one nil. So it's certainly a, an area we'll be looking to strengthen and improve on. Um, but just going back to the fans, there, yeah, they're, they're unbelievable. The amount of fans up in Tala um, was was you know was, was surprising to me. The amount that made the travel and, and like you say that they they when when things are going well they will pack turn us cross out. So I remember the, the days when I used to play from packed houses nearly every week. So you know I'm, it's my job to try and bring that back. Before we let you go, Neil, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on the FAI Cup final, considering you've played for both clubs. Um, acrimonious departure, I suppose, from Dundalk and, and, and heading up to Rovers. How how do you see it going on, on tomorrow? I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't call it. Um, I've got no like favourite in, e- in either camp. I just, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a very good game. I, I think that you know, if, if Rovers keep the ball as well as they can, um, it'll be it'll be difficult for, for Dundalk. But on in, in another way, I've seen Rovers when they've played against Bowes and that they don't, you know, they go a little bit more direct and, and give the impetus maybe back to Dundalk. So I just can't call it. I'm looking forward to going. I'm looking forward to watching it as a spectator. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't call it. What, what are you boys going for? Well, I, I'm actually just before I answer that question, I would throw one more at you, and that is the the loss of Chris Shields and how much of an impact that's going to have on the game for, from Dundalk's perspective. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's huge. He's the type of player that that's probably the best in his position in, in the country. He, he dictates the play, he breaks up play, um, and I know the booking that, that that he got down in Turner's Cross was very very soft. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate for him, but. 
like you say, Vinny, Vinny's won the Dundalk top of the league because they've got a good squad. So I'm sure that as much as it, it's a huge miss, I'm sure that Vinny will know that he can replace Chris with, with another player and he'll do just a good job. What do you think, Colin? Um, I, 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 I know a lot of people have, have said it's a, it's a game changer for them and, and in the sense that they might have fancied Dundalk and then they've gone now with Shamrock Rovers. I still think, though, that Dundalk's strength in, in every position, um, he'll probably just bring Sean Hoare into, into that sitting role in midfield and bring Andy Boyle in, not a bad replacement for, for, for Chris Shields. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I really do think that, that Dundalk will, considering the amount of winners that have already played at the Aviva, they've already won the Cup a few times, and going for this treble that hasn't been won since 1989, I think um, that might spur them on that little bit more to get them over the line. Sorry, Con. No, no I, I actually. I'll that. I, I think um, I'm not. I haven't actually looked at the bookmakers' odds since Chris Shields got suspended to see if the the market has moved that much. But Dundalk were uh, favourites, and you know, a fifth final in a row. All of those players will be very, very familiar with the you know the surroundings and the trappings of Cup Final Day. I mean, as just going back to that 2010 Cup Final, Neil. I mean, obviously you would have played over in England and stuff, so big stadiums wouldn't necessarily have put you off, but. Um, um, when you were, you know, just the build up to the final and the day itself, I mean, did it seem much different to your average everyday game? Yeah, of course. You know, we did. Now, I, I will say I've got the worst memory of the world in trying to remember matches. So I barely remember <laughs> kind of much of how I came around it, but just the fact that it was, a, it was a packed stadium at the Aviva. And, you know, it was a. When Shamrock Rovers are in cup finals, it seems to be a little bit different. There seems to be a little bit more excitement about the place, a bit more press coverage, possibly. So. I'm sure that um, I'm sure that it'll be another packed house tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I can't wait either. Neither can Conan. Neil, uh, thanks a million for taking the call this morning. Really appreciate it, and the very, very best of luck uh, next season. I'm looking forward to getting down to Turner's Cross and seeing you down there. Pleasure. This is the greatest league in the world. Once again, by the way, thanks a million for all your ratings and reviews which you've left throughout the season. Every single rating and every review has been helpful. Most of them, in fact, nearly all of them have been very good reviews. So thanks a million for uh, that. If you are on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, all those reviews uh, make a difference. So thanks a million for all the the positive comments uh, this season. does the heart good and really very much uh, appreciated now so we're about 24 hours away from the gates opening at the Aviva Stadium for 2019 FAI Cup Finals Day the So Hotels Women's Final kicking off at 5 past 12 P-Mount the league champions against Wexford Youths the uh, reigning cup holders uh, a repeat of last year's Women's Final and then the Extra.ie FAI Cup Final 3.40 kickoff for Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers before we talk about the uh, Dundalk Rovers match uh, Conan uh, P-Mount against Wexford um, you were working last season at the cup final, you were pitch side. I was up in the stands, and um, Wexford won one nil on that occasion. It was a close game though, so I, and I think obviously given the fact that Piedmont have been so dominant in the league this season, I think that's going to be a, a really interesting. I hope the crowds come out early for that. I hate when they come out and it's you know there's a lot of empty seats still at that point. It's it's I know it's a long day, but. You're rewarded for two great yeah, matches. Two you know? great matches and getting getting great value for money for playing two National Cup finals on the same day. It, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, yes, Wexford won last year's final through a Katrina Parrott goal. Um, it was scored in the first half, I remember it very well. And um, funnily enough, P-Mount were, were favourites to win the game last year and I think they'll be fav- strong, mm. stronger favourites this, yeah. this year to win, especially considering they've nearly gone the whole season um, unbeaten. They've been very, very good. And in particular... To win the league, they just won their last game 8-1 versus Cork where Eleanor Ryan Doyle scored four goals in, in, in the first half. It was a, a huge effort all mm. season by P-Mount. So they'll be looking to to complete a, a, a quick-fire double. Um, but they're up against a, a very tough Wexford Youths team with, with Rihanna Jarrett, who's been on fire this season, getting her international call-up. And, she was brilliant in that match against Ukraine. And Actually, do you know what I was thinking watching that match? That you know she could easily do a job for one of the teams over in England. Oh, easily, you know. Yeah, absolutely. She, she showed in that game that she has it. Oh, absolutely, and I'm saying I, I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of teams over watching her tomorrow at tomorrow's um, FA Cup. Um, so hotel, sorry, FA Cup final. Um, and uh, another point of note, McKenna Davidson. I, I've mentioned her before previously on, on this podcast, and she only, she didn't start the final last year, but she's had a brilliant, brilliant season this year. She's actually from Hawaii, and I was trying to think Hawaii. of. 
Hawaii, yeah. Really? Yeah, she's from Hawaii, yeah. It's and not was, just the type of mobile phone she has, no? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was just, I was trying to think if there was any other player, both male or female, that have played in the league from yeah. um, from Hawaii. And I can, I can think of one anyway that played for Pats with me, Morgan Langley. He came from... Did he? The Little Rock and the Big, o- yeah. the big Ocean. But he, um, I can't... But Ryan Guy was from Guam. Guam. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear if anybody else, like this could be the yeah. first... Hawaii player to to player from Hawaii should I say to be in a an Irish Cup final so it'd be uh, it'd be great for her if they managed to get a victory as well so um, yeah it's going to be a very very good game I can't I can see it being goals I can't see it being a repeat of last year's one nil and there was plenty of opportunities for goals last year and they just weren't taken and so I can see goals in in the game tomorrow so I would urge everybody that's coming to to the Aviva Stadium tomorrow to get there early to see um, a fantastic final in, 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 in the women's game and the bars will be open I presume at that point so if you fancy having a little tipple or whatever just as I say it's a long day but just the odd little bring the sandwiches what's wrong with bringing yeah, the sandwiches the, 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 the flask <laughs> the flask, the flask the of coffee yeah, yeah. Um, and just going actually if, if there is if you do know of other players from Hawaii who've played in the league you might get in touch with us the uh, hashtag greatest league in the world on, on Twitter will get us uh, or uh, GLITW podcast at gmail.com as well I'm sure there probably has oh, there been, has been, been surely, yeah. there's, there's people with more stats in, knowledge stats yeah, knowledge yeah, than, exactly. than you or I, I mean, there's probably someone just like really really, really famous obvious. that we're, we're not yeah, thinking of but uh, sure yeah that was just the, the one there that I was thinking of there I wonder where Morgan Langley is now I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, but that's uh, kicking off at five past twelve anyway. So, and as you say, Piedmont a potential uh, double on what's been a great season for them. So, uh, looking forward to that. Then I know who you're up for, by the way. Considering that you, your, your, your personal trainer at the moment is is looking after you and doing. Onyo Gorman lifted the trophy for Piedmont, uh <laughs> when they won the league during the week. Uh, I think you were right. I think they only lost one match in the entire one, wasn't it, uh, yeah. league campaign. It's an incredible uh, record from Piedmont. So uh, it would be a, a very special double for them and a bit of revenge, I suppose, for last year as well. Um, Dundalk playing in their fifth final in a row as I was saying to uh, Neil Fenn there um, Dundalk have been away in every round 1-0 winners against Cove in the first round then they won 3-2 after extra time away to Derry in the second round 3-1 winners against Waterford at the RSC in the quarterfinals and then that late Michael Duffy goal up in Sligo uh, separating the sides in the semi-final so I did see uh, a stat on Twitter during the week that they'd be the first team to have gone through a, an entire cup campaign without playing a match at home. Like to win it. Uh, and I think it was since Shelburne. I should have made a note of it and I didn't. But I mean, we're, it's a u- pretty unique achievement if they do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If it's, but yeah, at the same time, it's Dundalk. And I think at the start of this season, if, you're, if they were playing the top four teams around them away from home, you'd still expect them to get to the cup final. And um, now that they're there, I can't see them being beaten, Con, being totally honest. Mm. Um, as I said to, to Neil Fenn on the, on, the, on the phone there a couple of minutes ago, I just think that a lot of people have, have, have sensed that with the loss of Chris Shields, that it's a game changer, that they've changed literally. They Dundalk, they fancy Dundalk. And they've completely changed now and gone over to Shamrock Rovers. That just goes to show how much of a loss Chris Shields is. And he is, don't get me wrong, he's a massive loss to them. Because he's the only player on Dundalk's team that they don't have a replacement for. Mm. An able number six replacement. What about Sean Hoare in that position? I mean, do you... He's not at the same level as Chris Shields in that position. Sean Hoare is a wonderful player. He's a wonderful centre-half. He's very, very good on the ball for for a centre-half. But that's not his position, Con. Mm. So he's playing out of position in a cup final against the second best team in the country. Arguably arguably the second best team. Obviously on paper they are with with where where they ended up. But I'd like to see now how Shamrock Rovers react to that. Have they changed their personnel? Um, Before because of that news have how, they cha- have how they- would they change their personnel in your opinion um, I don't know like I'm just saying that I, I know they might have played Jack Byrne kind of wider to keep him away keep from him away from him yeah um, and now they might just give him the freedom to the free roles to go and play um, they might have, he might have got that anyway you see I don't know I'm, that's why I'm not a manager I suppose um, but I do think though that it gives Shamrock Rovers players huge confidence knowing that Chris Shields Mm. arguably Dundalk's best player and um, isn't playing 
And uh, but I do still think that Dundalk will be too strong. Yeah, uh, just in, in terms of selections as well. I mean, would there be an argument for Shamrock Rovers to play Neil Ferrugia from the start to? occupy Sean Gannon because Gannon is such a even though he's the right back he's such a danger bombing forward if he has Ferrugia on him all the time does that have to restrict him a bit? I think Neil Ferrugia will play a massive part in the game I don't know if he'll start he hasn't started as too many games he's been injured obviously so he's still trying to get up to, to full fitness and I suppose this game might have, might have come too too early for him to, to start or, or even to, to to play the full 90 minutes but I do see him playing a big part he will play tomorrow at some stage Neil Ferrugia is a, a wonderful player very tr- great tricks um, can put a ball into the box and he will be he will be utilised tomorrow mm. um, to start the game I'm not so sure but if he does start I cannot see him lasting the 90 minutes given the um, the fact that he's only really coming back into the in, into the game now when he's been injured for so long mm. um, would you like to see him play? I, I just think he's such an exciting player. Uh, I mean, at the very start of the season, he was the, the when he was with UCD, he was the player I picked out as the one to watch for this season. Now, he did go on and make his under-21 uh, debut scoring against Luxembourg. That injury really set him back a lot. Uh, I mean, he missed, I don't know, was it three months? Four, yeah. Three months, maybe almost four months of the season. Um, but I think he's made a bit of an impact even already since he came into the Shamrock Rovers um, team in the last few games. But, Maybe, as you say, this match has come a tiny bit uh, too early for him. Just uh, looking at some of the stats, though. I mean, when you look at Shamrock Rovers, they've played seven full internationals this season in their team. So when you talk about the big day and, you know, the big occasion and pressure and stuff, fellas like Alan Manis, um, Joey O'Brien, um even uh, Danny Lafferty, if you were to play, you know, they've all clocked up a huge amount of experience, international experience. Um, obviously, Jack has played against Bulgaria there. Graham Burke has scored there for Ireland. Um, Pico Lopez made his international debut for Cape Verde recently. So so when you look at that kind of experience, you think they're not going to be overawed by the occasion. No. And I, I think they'll even, like the likes of Jack Byrne will love this occasion. Um, playing in his hometown city, um, where he's a current Irish international only played there a couple of weeks ago he'd love that environment of playing Actually speaking of Jack Byrne Daniel McDonnell and David Snade in the 42.ie and in the Independent they both have a really good article about Jack and his family and where he's come from and everything great reads um, Yeah you need to you need to read it absolutely uh, But I agree I, th- I think it's a, it's a good stage for him but you know throughout this campaign I've gone for St. Pat's to win the cup I think I went for Bohemians to win the cup mm-hmm. and I'm going for Dundalk to win the cup of course cup, you're you know. going to go yeah, no but I, I actually <laughs> you see you can have heart and head but I mean as you said um, if you go with the head it has to be the experience of Dundalk five cup finals in a row the players that they have at their um, disposal I mean when you look at the the way they're so clinical late in games with Duffy's getting that late winner against Sligo they got the late winner Georgie Kelly up in Derry you know when the chips are down they've come up with the the goods even in the final last year the way McElhenney got forward for that how many headed goals has he scored and yet did it in the cup final I think, I think with, with, with all the with, with all the talk of Patrick Hubin this this year and the fact that he hasn't had um, people arguably saying that he hasn't had a great season considering he got 13 goals um, obviously he would have liked to have scored more but he's playing a different way now this season I can see him mm. being the hero tomorrow Well he scored three times after the 90th minute in the league campaign which is you know something it shows you that they keep plugging away plugging away nobody scored more than Pat Hoobin after the 90th minute of game so they do keep going so it could be a heartbreaker for uh, Shamrock Rovers there, actually there's a um, I was telling somebody earlier on my um, when I was six my grandmother knitted myself and my brother a green and white scarf uh, which was too big for me at the time when I was six but I've kind of grown into it um, and so we wore the, the scarves to the matches and then um, my brother was killed in a road accident two, two years later and so the scarf has been in a drawer in my room ever since it's never come out well I've, I've moved house so it's been in a couple of different drawers but it's been worn to the match 
uh, tomorrow by my uh, nephew uh, for the first time. It's a lovely story. Uh, so it's going to be it's an special. Emotion, yeah. Yeah. Emotional. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it means sometimes, football. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I mean, the one thing that strikes me, is, and every, Neil Fenn said it earlier on, it's going to be a great football match. Two, the two best teams, arguably. Oh, they are the two best teams. I don't think we can say that they aren't. I think, um, it, it, like, we talk about pressure and, and Shamrock Rovers have, have struggled with pressure against in the big games this season. Against Bohemians, they, yeah. they, they really did struggle, Con. and But they did, they overcome, they overcame that. And if they can, if they, that should give them massive confidence going into this final. And I, like the confidence of losing Chris Shields, the yeah. confidence of beating Bohemians and getting that monkey off the back. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's, it's not going to be a, a, a runaway victory for, for Dundalk. It's going to be a very, very tight game. And I think if Shamrock Rovers start well, the fans will get behind them. Mm. If they concede early, Con, I can see it going the opposite way. Mm. And so it'll be very much a case of containing Dundalk, not giving an early goal away, keeping the game as tight as possible um, for as long as possible and um, and going for it. And, yeah. and I think that's what Shamrock Rovers should do. They shouldn't, as I said last week, they shouldn't be concentrating on Dundalk's threat. They should be concentrating on their own because they have a brilliant attacking threat themselves with the likes of Jack Byrne, with the likes of Graham Burke. Aaron Green's on fire this season. Yeah. Neil Farouge coming off, probably coming off the bench, maybe starting, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a wonderful game and I'm really, really looking forward uh, to it. One man we haven't mentioned actually so far in this conversation is um, Joey O'Brien. And the two defences, actually, I mean, you've got to hand it to Dundalk. 23 clean sheets this season for Gary Rogers and the Dundalk defence. Tremendous. 21 for Alan Manis, equaling the Shamrock Rovers record and a really strong defence. And Joey O'Brien has been a huge part of that. Pico Lopez, uh, Lee Grace. I mean, it's a rock solid. Both When you look at both defences, you can see that it could be quite... I mean, I'm not promoting a nil old draw here now. <laughs> no, but you can um, see it coming now. But potentially, you know, it's going to be hard to break down those two defences. It is. The last time they played each other, though, it was up in Oriel and it was a 3-2 vict- uh, yeah, victory yeah, for them dogs. So you, you never know. Sometimes that, that, that kind of goes against the grain then mm-hmm. when when they, when the two defences play against each other. But yeah, as you said, look, they've... And funnily enough, Shamrock Rovers have that mainstay defence that ha- has been the heart of their whole season. They've stuck stuck with that and it's worked very very well while Dundalk's defence have chopped and changed with Jarvis mm. going in at left back and Massey playing left back and then Gartland Massey uh, Gartland Cleary Hoare Boyle mm. all playing centre halves and, and Gannon usually playing a, a right back so they've chopped and changed a little yeah. bit but still come out with a record 23 clean sheet well equal recording record three, uh, 23 clean sheets and it's um, as you say the defences have been Absolutely fantastic, and that's what you need to be successful—a strong defensive yeah, shape yeah, and line. Yeah. And, and and they both teams have had it. Yeah, it's it's one for. Um, I think even when neutrals go to a game like this, the atmosphere is going to be great. I think, in terms of ticket sales, it sounds pretty positive. I mean, the premium level is completely sold out. Um, and I know the um, the Shamrock Rovers end. They were saying they sold out the the lower section completely, and. Um, the weather might play a bit of a part in terms of the walk up on the day if you're in neutral and it's pouring rain outside and it's live on the TV do you just kind of say oh, we'll put the kettle on yeah that does happen I think wrong. that would be a pity because you're going to miss a, like I've I've loved the last few cup finals that I've gone to at the Aviva the atmosphere is it's a, it is a, it's a special day oh it's brilliant yeah. it really is really is and even like even the fact that they have been Dundalk v Cork I think at this this is something different now even though it is the top two co- teams in the country similar to wh- what it was with Dundalk and, and Cork but Shamrock Rovers have excuse me 32 years in the waiting of, of winning an FAI Cup and I know how much that means to the Shamrock Rovers mm. fans and and um, but what I would urge them all to do is get behind the team tomorrow if you can see it early keep getting mm. behind the team don't be uh, don't be counting mm. your chickens as if that you're going to lose the game early on and and, and just get behind your players yeah. for, the, for the 90 minutes. There were a couple of uh, great uh, videos on Twitter as well. Uh, Dundalk Sport uh, put one up today of uh, Dundalk down through the years winning the cup and it's really nicely, uh, some very um, 
atmospheric old shots of trophy lifts and stuff down through the years for Dundalk and I mean they have won it 11 times already now at this stage um, of course Sean McRovers have won it 24 so looking for uh, 25 and I know the uh, Sean McRovers Twitter account this week has been uh, putting up videos of fans who are travelling back from all over the world it's Melbourne Sydney San Francisco Los Angeles all over Europe uh, I mean and and I know Dundalk have a um, a fan at least one maybe a few of them coming back from Sydney as well in Australia Um, so you know people are coming back from literally the four corners of the globe for this uh, yeah it's a huge it's a huge game it's an absolute huge game it's great and and it's absolutely fantastic to see um, fans coming home for these kind of events I don't know would, would that have happened 10, 15 years ago, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, probably but, not. It yeah. would have been harder to get back from Australia, that's for sure. Exactly. So it's, it's it's great to see them all uh, all yeah. congregating at, at the Aviva Stadium and um, there can only be one winner though. Well, speaking of uh, fans, you spoke to a special one last night. I spoke to a very special one last night after the game, um, Con, and um, I was just walking back to my car. I actually asked him if he, if he, if he needed a lift anywhere. He didn't. And I said, can you give me a, a cup final prediction? And this is what he had to say. I'm delighted to be joined by Tom, the greatest League of Ireland fan in the country. I want to ask him his opinion on the um, FAI Cup final on Sunday. Tom, who do you think will win? I think Shamrock will win Sunday. They have the players, all right? Could put them away, all right? They don't sit down. They don't sit down and go up. They come out and play the ball. What score do you think it'll be, Tom? 3-1. 3-1 yeah Tom thanks very much really appreciate it well Tom will be there you'll be there I'll be there you're doing interviews uh, again this year on the pitch and stuff are you yeah I'm do, um, doing the interviews on the pitch for the for, for the women's and the men's final so um, on the big screen and all that on the big screen and the, in the ground yeah so oh we'll be able to shout abuse at you do whatever you want Con <laughs> yeah and I'll be the other way around of Dundalk and I'll be looking for you <laughs> <laughs> ah look I, I, to be honest with you I was I was going to say I don't care who wins of course I care who wins but uh, <laughs> I just want it to be a good game I want it to be a good occasion I don't want any silly stuff between the fans it's a special occasion for everybody let's just enjoy it and have a laugh and may the best team win may the best team win and um, best of luck to to everybody all four teams uh, taking part that's a real politician's answer isn't it that was so cliche I was like looking at you what are you doing Uh, (laughs) but listen have a good day bring the bring the long johns bring the uh, waterproofs there might be a shower or two but it's going to be a great day so really can't uh, wait and one more sleep as they say and thanks a million to Mel Brophy who was on uh, production today to Gary and to Neil our guests earlier on and uh, nice to hear from Tom as well Conan enjoy the day tomorrow and we'll uh, talk for our final episode of the season next weekend post FAI Cup final absolutely talk to you there talk to you there